You know what really makes us mad is wasting money on CDs with only one or two good songs. Yeah. Tell them about punk. Welcome to Punk Lotto Pod. I'm your co-host Justin Hensley. I am your other co-host Dylan Hensley. And this is the show where we assign our guests a year and they choose one punk, hardcore, emo, or punk adjacent album from that year for us to talk about. Today we are joined by Andy Sell, a stand-up comedian podcast host. He has hosted a number of podcasts over the years, most notably the Unpops Music Podcast Series Ghoul School, a uh, horror movie history podcast, and Look Good for the Boys, which is another horror movie podcast. Uh, very funny guy. I, I love his appearances on those shows, and uh, this episode was a lot of fun to talk with him. What are we talking about today? We are talking about the year 2005, uh, the album The Sunset Tree by The Mountain Goats. A significant record in their discography. Mm-hmm. I think probably what one of the one of the most popular uh, albums on their Spotify. I think it's one of their most popular albums overall. An important stage in their career and his career is. Do we say is it him or is it a band? It's both, right? You know, it's like it started just as him, but then it became a band. But then the band is also lots of different people and different stages. So yeah, it's yeah. both. And if you head over to our Patreon, this week we are doing a I'm Listening, where we each go through the albums that we've listened to since the last time we did an I'm Listening. Uh, so a little bit going on over there. That's for $1, you get access to all the bonus audio. And for $10, you get access to choose what we talk about. You choose the album we talk about on the show. Oh, I forgot to mention on the show last time, uh, we have a winner for our raffle for all the patreon i don't know if he wants me to say his name so we'll just say i've messaged you already uh but i just wanted to let everyone else know that we did actually have a winner in that and uh i believe they want to come on the show so we'll have to plan that one out and uh see what we're going to talk about there but you can follow us on all forms of social media instagram twitter and facebook at punk pod email address punk pod at gmail.com and voicemail which is 202-688-PUNK and i think that's everything so Enjoy this show with Andy Sell. So we're joined here today with Andy Sell. Andy, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Uh, we're happy to have you here. Uh, looking forward to this episode for a little bit now. Yeah, me too. I'm excited to. I'm excited to be here. I like. I want to say I like your show a lot. Thank I'm you. A, I'm a big thank fan. Of, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts that are. <laughs> Like, just people talking about cultural stuff. Mm. Like, it's it's a thing I don't... It's weird. I, you know, I mostly do, like, horror podcasts and stuff now, and I don't, like, listen to any other horror movie podcasts when people are talking about horror movies because it's just, like, I'm not really... You know, it's like, that's work. I don't want to... <laughs> yeah. And it's stuff I know so much about and I keep up with so much that it's... I, I need a break from it sometimes, and I like your podcast. It's, like, one of my new favorites because... Huh. It's stuff I'm interested in, but it's also stuff that I don't necessarily 
keep up with super well. So it's uh, it's I get a kick out of listening to it, and I, I you know, I don't, I don't know. I just I love it. Well, thank you. That's thank you. Very kind of you to say. Dylan doesn't listen to any podcasts, so nope. <laughs> yeah, it's it, look. It's there's a lot of there's not as much time in our lives as we think. <laughs> and there are a lot of podcasts and sometimes it almost feels like no fuck you i'm not i there's there's albums i haven't listened to i can't i can't <laughs> listen to a podcast on this walk around the lake which is a which is one in a finite number of walks around the lake that i have left <laughs> yeah there's definitely a sense of mortality uh, when whenever I hear a podcast, it's like I don't have many years left. Yeah, uh, yeah. on this planet, I'm I, dying. Uh, yeah, I should call my Eventually. mom. I haven't heard her voice lately, and I don't know how many times I'll get to hear that again. So instead of listening to these two people that I would walk away from at an open mic, uh, <laughs> talking about a movie that they have no frame of reference for. Uh, I'm going to call my mom instead. No, I'm kidding. I can't yeah. talk to my mother. It's a drag every time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I my job, I work uh, basically 36 hours in three days. So I that's where I do a bulk of my podcast listening. So it's just like, I'm at work. I'm a captured audience. So I'm going to listen to uh, totally. other people talk instead of the people I work with. Yeah, for I mean, well, for sure. That's <laughs> Yeah, that, that was really like the peak of my... My podcast listening was when I had a job where I was sitting at a desk for like eight hours where where music listening to eight hours of music nonstop it just becomes a wall of noise you just can't you can't absorb that much yeah uh well, let's plug some podcasts uh <laughs> <laughs> speaking of <laughs> yeah so i I became aware of you first through the uh the unpops network of podcasts the the vast network of oh, yeah. podcasts. So many podcasts under that network. Um, I, I'm trying to think. I think I don't know. I think I've listened to like every episode of the at least the main show. So like I was trying to remember when the first time I heard you on there, but it was probably roughly around the time that you started. Uh, Three dollar pod, y'all. Okay, the, uh, yeah, the Limp Biscuit <laughs> Pod. <laughs> yeah, I think I did. I was on. I think uh, I was on a couple of list casts and yeah. a fight cast. Or whatever that show is called, where you'd argue. Yeah. Okay, I argued with Joe K about M Night Shyamalan at one point, <laughs> and I think I might have done the main show once or twice. And then, yeah, yeah. and then I started. I got onto uh, Heart Shaped Pod and Three Dollar Pod, y'all. And then you know that now, now it's a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now it's it's a whole thing. So yeah, it's. I guess the, I guess Heart Shaped Pod was the first show. It was like a Nirvana retrospective podcast, and uh, it was Adam and. Travis, and then eventually they they had a third co-host who uh, had to leave for reasons. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but so then you came in and took over, and then y'all started the joked about a Limp Biscuit podcast. <laughs> started three dollar pod, y'all was a riot to listen to. <laughs> Thanks, thank you. Wrapped up heart shaped pod like the rest of the Nirvana discography, and then started Pod the Life, the Corn podcast. Then there was Podcast Supernova, the Oasis podcast. And was that it? And then it shifted into just being called Unpops Music. And you did a Steve Earl season. Yeah. And that's, that's, I, we, we, and we keep like coming up with new 
<laughs> I'm still fighting for a Slipknot. I still really want to do a Slipknot season. <laughs> I still really want to do a Mustard Plug season. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and I also want to start up, I want to do a Blue Oyster Cult season real bad. Yeah, that'd but, be good. Yeah, there, uh, we, we've gone back and forth on a few options for the next season, and I think I think we've settled on one. Let me knock on this wood. Yeah. Uh, I think we've settled on one, and we're going to start recording pretty soon, so I'm excited any, about uh, it. Any hints? Uh, <laughs> or I can edit it out if you just want to yeah, tell me. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, I don't know if I'm allowed to say it, because I don't, you know, I, we were uh, supposed to already record, but whatever, it's a Fleetwood Mac. Oh, shit. Oh, that'd be a great one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, if you want me to cut that out, I will. But uh, I'll ask Adam. <laughs> I don't know. It's one of those things. I feel like Tom Holland, uh, but like with way lower stakes, and and like very few people give a shit. And I'm not nearly as blessed as he is in um, any regard. Uh, so it's not like Tom. I don't know why I even brought him up. He just keeps getting in trouble for well, yeah, spoiling keeps... Marvel shit. But yeah. Yeah. you didn't sign. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh... NDA. NDA. Yeah, there's no there's no NDAs that unpops. I don't. Think. There's just like oh, if we say somebody's name who's not on the network anymore because they turned out to be a piece of shit, we have yeah. to bleep it out. There were a couple of those. Huh? Yeah, yeah, there have been a couple. Yeah, unfortunately, it happens. Uh, well, the shows are very funny. If you want to hear any of them, I think a couple of them are still up to here without being a member of the Patreon. I think. Heartshape Pod and Three Dollar Pod, y'all, and Pod the Life are still up, but maybe not the conclusion. Like it's like some of the episodes, so you can try them out. And if you like them, subscribe to the Patreon because it's very funny. You have other shows too. You have two horror podcasts. Uh, what would you? Let's see. Let's do Ghoul School. Is probably the older one of the two. Yeah, yeah. Ghoul and School. It, I started in shit. A while. It was a while ago. I don't even know. Yeah. 2017, 2018. I'm not sure anymore. Right. Uh, but I had been planning to do it for a while before we actually started putting up episodes. It was it was actually kind of s- shitty because we put I recorded a bunch and then was editing a bunch and then like literally two or three weeks before our first episode went up, another podcast started called Ghoul School, oh. and I was like, ah, oh, goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> but I think they're not around. I think we're still around in there. And now, granted, I- I'm barely around. <laughs> but I'm more around than they are, so yeah. I'm I'm good with it now. Yeah, I wonder like if you really looked at the number of podcasts that are like listed on Apple Podcasts and how many of them are inactive, like what percentage of like <laughs> that site would drop. I mean, yeah. It's a shocking number. It's funny, like you'll you'll be like a show that you like, it'll go on hiatus and then they just never come back yeah. from the hiatus. <laughs> Like, oh, yeah, I have better things to do than talking to a microphone. So. <laughs> what? Absurd. Absurd. <laughs> I'll not hear of it. Yeah, and I decided to go to college for it. So there we go. Um, hey. Um, <laughs> um, so that's, it's, it, how would you describe it? It's like a a history yeah, podcast. The, the subtitle of it is a horror history podcast. Yeah. And it's, you know, the idea was to track certain subgenre or i guess really subgenre subjects mm-hmm. and and themes and mo- movements even in yeah. horror film and like kind of track the history for context to be like uh okay so this type of subgenre this type of horror movie that has all this influence it what it's because it became you know a thing because of these you know pre- sets of precedents 
and you know these are how it you know this is what else is going on in the world at the time that certain movies are released or certain movements take hold and certain trends kind of rise or fall and we started with found footage we're still in found footage i still have not finished the found footage <laughs> season because you know a lot of reasons but yeah. the next uh, the idea is to continue that once I finish the found footage season, which should be this year, and then continue that. The next season will be slasher movies. And then the next season after that, I want to do silent horror movies. Oh, and just wow. talk about the pre-sound era of horror. Yeah. And um, yeah, and then I, in the meantime, we're doing extra dreaded episodes, which are I reach out to somebody ask them if there's a horror movie they really want to talk about, and then I recommend a B feature for a double feature of a movie they haven't seen that I think pairs well with the movie that they chose, and then they watch them, and then we discuss, and I've been enjoying doing those. We're having, yeah. a, I'm having a lot of fun with those. Those probably seem less research-intensive, too. Yeah, that's the other thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're less research-intensive, and uh, I mean, I still end up doing a ton of research, but there it's it's more conversational and it's not just like me lecturing into a microphone and then being like okay adam here's the movie we're going to talk about and then <laughs> yeah. talking about it uh we are doing going to be discussing adam's favorite apollo 18 <laughs> in the next episode of the found yeah. footage episodes but yeah so that's kind of what i've been doing with that show it's funny you mentioned that pairing idea there's actually a podcast that uh, we just came I just became aware of it's called wine and cheese where they pair uh emo records with like cheesy like b-movie horror movie type oh stuff. shit <laughs> that's cool you know they they do um you know vanessa guerrero and uh, elijah uh is it taylor Ty- taylor they do right. uh what's it kicking and screaming which is another thing where they do like they pair horror movies with martial arts movies which oh is yeah pretty, right <laughs> pretty fun thing i think yeah but yeah, the other show is called Look Good for the Boys, yeah. and it's a horror gossip podcast. And I started that one with my friend Philip in 2021 after moving here to Minneapolis. And he and I were just watching movies a lot together and kind of, I was like, hey, we should do a show where we kind of comment on these things, these a- aspects of horror movies. And mostly it's just talk about the characters. And I just thought it would be fun to kind of do a thing that's not just like, you know, two people being like, hey, what we watched this movie this week and this is what we think of it. It's a little more yeah. more focused and, I don't know, I think more fun. Yeah. Yeah, because like, there's so many podcasts out there that it's just like, yeah, we watched this thing this week, you know, which we even have a version of that for our Patreon. So, like, which yeah, is, doing something yeah. different yeah. is fun. Yeah. It's great. It's fu- I mean, whatever you want to do, do it, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, we just I just had this thing where it was like, I want to talk about these things we notice in horror movies or the way certain characters' relationships are or like, oh, I like the fashion of this movie, you know? Yeah. It's a, it's a much more, I think, uh, unique approach. Yeah. yeah, definitely more, a different take for sure than yeah. just a standard. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, I'll link to all that stuff in the show notes too and then we'll plug them again at the end and all that good stuff. But uh, awesome. Well, we're happy to have you here and... Uh, I'm excited to be here. I, uh, <laughs> I'm always excited when I'm asked to do anything that's not like, and, and don't get me wrong. I am excited when I'm asked to do anything. 
Yeah. Like, it's not even, you know, if you want, anybody listening that has a show about horror movies, if you want to talk to me about horror movies, I will talk to you about horror movies. Do not get me wrong. But I also, like, it's it's nice to be like, hey, what do you think about punk music? Or what do you think about this other stuff yeah. that's not, you know, the stuff you spend most of your time worrying Already. about? <laughs> Already talking about, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, I, I want to say the reason... I had the idea to talk to you actually a long time ago, like just because I was like, man, anytime he's been on those shows, he always mentions bands that I really like that nobody else in the room is even knows who you're talking about. Like you, you named up majority rule in an episode. Oh, so good. <laughs> so good. And I was like, well, that's a reference for me. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's weird. It's kind of like you, I, I, I went out, to a horror trivia thing once one night wearing a City of Caterpillar shirt. Yeah. And a guy can't... And it's like, if I were wearing a fucking, you know, David Bowie shirt or a Beatles shirt, like, who gives a shit? Right. But, like, you see someone with a City of Caterpillar shirt, you're going to be like, fuck yes, yeah, City of Caterpillar. <laughs> like, because me and six other people know what that is in this <laughs> in this zip code, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I went to a... Is a Michaels or a Hobby? It wasn't a Hobby Lobby. I think it was a Michaels to buy some stuff once. And mm-hmm. the, the cashier was wearing an Orchid shirt. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, Orchid. And she was like, you know Orchid? I was like, hell yeah. I got a Page 99 tattoo. And she's like, can I see it? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because there's something about whenever it's something niche or like less popular and like someone else out in the world has that, like <laughs> I've signaled to other like-minded people to like, well, I have to say something. I can't just be like, nod, and walk, yeah. you know? like What's that guy nodding at? <laughs> Maybe he has a I, neck problem. I think he hurt his neck. <laughs> Do you have a headbanging-related neck injury? <laughs> I went, well, we went to, uh, oh, Justin, say what you were going to say. Oh, are you thinking, are you going to say what I think you're going to say about the convention? Yeah, we went, we went to Heroes Convention in Charlotte, and I wore a Frodis shirt, and like... <sighs> Five people commented on it. Yeah. yeah. Versus like all the other guys who were like, I'm going to wear my new Wolverine shirt yeah. to the Heroes <laughs> Convention that like no one said anything about. Because yeah. duh. Yeah. It's this, it's this thing where there's like, because there's, you know, the only other thing I've noticed it with is, and this is also, I mean, it's not that specific, but like Iowa, Iowa stuff. Specifically, I will say if I ever wear like a, a shirt that says Spirit Lake or Okaboji on it, and I'm and I go outside. Someone will come up to me and be like, yeah. "Holy shit, Okaboji! You know Okaboji? Because it, it's this little resort town in Iowa, the Iowa Great Lakes. And it's like, but yeah, Iowa stuff too. If I wear a University of Iowa shirt, like you're always, I'm gonna run into an Iowan. And I'm I'm saying this is someone when I lived in California, not necessarily yeah. just. I mean, Minnesota, throw a rock, you'll hit an Iowan. But right. when I lived in California, I mean, same thing. Tons of Iowans out there, but. And it's the only other thing I've noticed that with, where it's that kind of like a, like, oh, I have to say something. Like, I can't just, I can't just appreciate this person. Where, like, I have to be like, no, we're in this together. You know, we, we, we've been in the pit together, man. <laughs> I will say though, the shirt that I've worn that I got me the most comments I've ever experienced in my life. I had a guy literally chase me across a park in Nashville to talk to me. And I was just like, keep walking, keep walking. He's just saying like, hey, hey, hey. Like he wouldn't, he just, he followed us all the way across the park in Nashville. And just like, and then he he caught up to us because eventually I guess he just started running 
was just like, God damn it. We're at stairs now. We're going to get attacked or mugged or something. And then he's like, I like your Goonies shirt. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, Goonies? I bought this at Target. This is not a special shirt. What is this, like the fifth highest grossing movie of 1985 or something? For some reason, that shirt has given me more... I stopped wearing it. Like, I got more... Every time I would go to a store, somebody would be like, hey, I like your Goonies shirt. Here's the thing, though. Goonies is kind of like, I mean, it's a movie about the underdogs, right? It's sort of yeah. a, it's a punk rock story in a lot of ways. So <laughs> I feel like it's that same kind of thing where when you feel like, I don't know, like we're, we're outcast together. We're missing, and it doesn't really wash because, yeah, Goonies, <laughs> Steven Spielberg, Robert Zemeckis, right? Like right. it's, yeah. come on, everyone knows that movie, but. I feel like the people that like really identified with it when they were kids, it's like, oh, that's a part of you forever. I yeah. mean, it is. It is one of those movies that is like extremely popular that people make it part of their personality in the way that a niche interest would be. Yeah, and it's uh, Pacific Northwest, so it's mm-hmm. got that going on too. Like, I feel like people in the Pacific Northwest feel like they're banded together, maybe somehow. I don't know. I don't mean to make generalizations about the people of the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> but you, I guess you're not getting that, I guess, with a Star Wars shirt. Like, somebody's not just, like, following you everywhere, even yeah. though. Yeah, probably. I mean, a- I feel like in, like, 1983 or something, if you were wearing a Star Wars shirt, that would yeah. be the thing where someone looks at you and goes, hey, we're, <laughs> we're the same, you know? <laughs> But yeah, now it's just like, oh, you mean the uh, the most popular thing on the planet? Great. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it is funny. Uh, but yeah, shirts will definitely do that where you you get comments. That's fun. Yeah. Um, Anytime I wear a majority rule shirt or a city of caterpillar shirt or whatever, it's yeah. like, yeah, it's the they'll, the people that see it and know it will let you know that they know it. And I think yeah. that's I think that's good. I think that's beautiful. I think you're I I would I would be if I saw you in a Frodo's shirt. I would yeah. be like, fuck yes, Frodus. <laughs> <laughs> and then immediately do the thing where right where you rattle off the other like, do you know Wayful? Do you know page ninety nine? Do you know like Yeah. <laughs> oh, and if you're really cool, you're like, Oh, I saw them play a show and so yeah. and so and yeah. Yeah. I do I do like it when like the little scrams babies come to me with the like I, I say that like like I, I don't see anyone or talk to anyone, but when I used to like <laughs> for example the the cashier at Michael's I think was probably twenty something mm-hmm. and was like fucking page ninety nine. I was like, Yeah, I saw him. Yeah. No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> I actually like I hang out with a guy who like who saw everybody during that time period and like he tells stories about page 99 specifically like, oh, yeah, they they blew a breaker in his yeah. house like four times. Yeah. And then the cops showed up and they <laughs> said, fuck you, we're still playing. And then <laughs> he got broken yeah. up. I will tell you that last show they played at the, the basement, that church basement in D.C. was pretty fucking nuts. <laughs> this is probably the most insane I've ever seen like a group of people at a show. I was lucky enough to go see them on the reunion little like mini thing they did in richmond it was them and majority oh, rule was that a best friends day or was this or was this later when like uh it was the later one like 20 uh, i don't know 17 18 yeah. something like that i saw them when they came to la when they were like touring with that yeah amazing just amazing yeah. Yeah. it was insane like i was like I, I can't imagine this many people like it was like 10 people on stage they were in richmond so literally all the friends were there but yeah. like <laughs> I can't imagine that in a house. Like, how was that even a thing? Yeah. I mean, well, the band, 
the band itself is going to take up half the room <laughs> in a house. Yeah. yeah. And then I think it's funny that majority rule is like on the other side is like a three piece. Yeah, they're like a three. It's the, <laughs> the tightest. The first time I saw them was at a record store in Albuquerque. And the whole time I was like, how are they, how are these three guys making all this fucking noise? Like, yeah. <laughs> like I'd never There's... heard a three piece before do that, you know? Right. Dense sound, like just a yeah. full sound. and Yeah. And just um, all the lights off with that like, yeah. like desk lamp or whatever shining right. up on Pat's face, just making him look evil as fuck. <laughs> like, uh, chills. Have you seen No Man yet? I haven't. I really no. want to. I'm really dying to see them because it's. You listen to that record, Erase, and it's like, I didn't think Majority Rule could be better than they were. <laughs> but here it is, and they are. It's yeah. like, yeah, I'm really dying to see them. I, I, I think they're coming. Either they're coming here or they've already come. Yeah. But I, I'm not going to shows right now. Yeah. And it's killing me because Municipal Waste was just in town, and I missed that. The Mountain Goats were just in town, and I missed that. Like, I it's, just... um, I've been to what, two or three shows since basically the pandemic started. And every time, it just feels weird. Like, yeah. even, like, you know, I was f- safe, wore my mask the whole time. You know, nobody, you know, nobody got sick in my, you know, group. But, like, it was just still very much, like, I didn't feel 100% comfortable yet. Yeah. It was... Yeah. I had friends play shows, uh, you know, like not long after the vaccine stuff. And it was like, okay, this is probably the two week window where I should be going to shows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I did. Yeah. And then I don't know. Then I had friends playing shows like late last year and everybody that went to the show got fucking COVID. And it's like, mm. well, now I, I don't feel great. And here's the thing. Even going out anywhere else I go now, no one's wearing masks. Nope. And yeah. I just like, I don't. I don't know if they're mandating at the clubs here, at the at the venues here, but I just I don't know what it is. I don't know when I'm gonna feel comfortable in like a crowded space again in that way. Yeah. You know, like, we went I, into uh, I just went to a photo store around the corner to buy some some cheap cameras for a trip that we're going on, um, and it was so weird. I walked in and there were like three employees. There was no customers in the store. They were all wearing masks. Like that yeah. was jarring to me to see yeah. to be in a room where everyone was wearing wearing masks again. I'm like, whoa, I don't remember the last time <laughs> this happened. It was probably a year ago. Yeah. Which is which is means that like it means that people are paying some people are paying attention, I think. I've noticed an uptick tick in the last month of people wearing masks again. I still say it's like ninety five percent no masks. Yeah, and then like the other five percent is usually the employees of wherever <laughs> you're going into, because yeah. they're like, God damn it, I don't want these assholes getting me sick. But. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that's my other. I mean, for a while, my whole thing was, well, as long as the employees at places are wearing masks, I'm gonna wear a mask too, because that yeah. right there, you know, I'm like showing them the respect. Yeah. But now I go places, and even the employees <laughs> yeah. aren't wearing masks, and I'm like, eh, I'm still gonna wear them though. I'm still gonna wear them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who knows when this yeah. fucking shit's gonna be manageable i don't know yeah i mean it's it's just the like you know the revelation that omicron is actually not mild yeah uh in any way is it milder than the original and and there's now we're on ba5 or something and it's even more contagious and like my feed for the last like probably eight months or something has just been steadily just constantly like 
every day, at least three people in my feed, like got COVID, got COVID got, for the last eight months. So it's like, yeah. I know no one's not getting it. Like, everyone's still getting it. Yeah. And I, I had it in 2020 and I don't, I just, I'm not getting it again. I'm, right. I'm not. I can't. I, I'm not doing that again. Fuck. Not that. until it's like evolved to the point where it's just it is just a you know yeah flu. Or not cold, until we you know? get the five G version. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> <I want> <laughs> <laughs> These four G vaccines aren't enough. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. actually went and got boosted uh, maybe in May, uh, like a second booster, because they were like, uh, people, you can get a second booster. It was like six months after or something like that, your last booster. Yeah. And I was like, sure, I'll try. And the woman like giving it to me was like, um, I think this is just supposed to be for elderly. And I was like, I'm immunocompromised. I mean, I am technically. I'm an overweight person, so I'm on the immunocompromised list. But it's just like, even them, they're like, are you sure? Well, the thing is, is they, they made their, like, right after a certain point, people stopped you know, so they it's gonna go to waste. So you gotta get it if you can yeah. get it. You know, I yeah. didn't. I haven't gotten a second booster. Yeah. Because I'm, you know, I don't. I don't know why I'm. I was gonna say I'm waiting for someone to tell me what to do, but that's clearly not gonna <laughs> fucking happen <laughs> at this point. I mean, they don't even care. All right, I'm not what, gonna. What do I do, Joe? <laughs> yeah. I mean, talk about a guy who's basically like, okay, so you don't want the job anymore. You just don't right. want the job. You you can't wait. To, like, every day you say something new that tells me you're trying to get fired. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like me when I worked at the video store. Like, it's, you, you, you're waiting for someone to come and take this away from you. It's like, Joe, you still got two years on this clock. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, I okay. I won't. I promise. But, <laughs> yeah, but we, uh, I miss shows. I I and I wasn't even going to shows anymore. This is the thing. I'm old and tired now. Yeah. And I the last show that I went to, I think was Page Ninety Nine Majority Rule, uh, and maybe Carly Rae Jepsen was either after that or before that. I don't know. But sometime around then, I went to see Jawbreaker, and mm -hmm. I left halfway through their set because. <laughs> I was so tired. They didn't go on until like after eleven Jeez. or like eleven eleven p.m. or something. And they they you know I heard uh, "Save Your Generation." I heard you know I heard the songs I wanted to hear. And then I was like, okay, now I have a headache. I want to go to sleep. I don't drink anymore. Uh, I'm getting out of here and going to bed. <laughs> that it reminds me. Like I went and saw Teenage Fan Club, and like I was like, I bought tickets months before, and I was like, well, I'm gonna go. But my plantar fasciitis is really flaring up right now, and this show is not fun to watch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just get, I'm old and tired, but I'm still like, now I'm like, shit, give me a pit that I feel comfortable in. Like, give me yeah. Bear vs. Shark again, or a, any other show that where I can really just go nuts. And let me just kill myself. Like, I'll just, I'll just go in there and I'll <laughs> die, and they'll carry my body out, and it'll be fine. He pitted too hard. Yeah. <laughs> he died doing what he loved. <laughs> Ruining his spine to power violence. <laughs> well, let's let's shift into the rest of the format of the show. So, uh, basic premise is we assign our guests a year and they choose one punk, hardcore, emo, or punk-adjacent album from that year for us to discuss. And before we get to the album you selected, let's talk about the year that I assigned you. So, I gave you the year 2005... And you gave me a real big list of options that you're uh, <laughs> thinking about. 
Yeah, I can't. I'm bad with decisions. If a decision, <laughs> if it's like, if it's not a, like an immediate life or death, like significant decision, mm. I, I get overwhelmed very easily. And I, I it's tough for me to like settle on things. This is why I think Adam doesn't like having me on list cast. Because I come on, I'm like, right off the bat, I've got 20 options. I know I was only supposed to bring five, but I have 20, so I'm sorry. Um, but I, it's just a, yeah, I, I had a lot. And, and the thing is, when you assigned me 2005, too, I was like, well, thank God it's not one of the rough years. Like, thank right. God it's not 2004, where I would, my brain would be bleeding out of my head right now because, with, the, with the indecision. But I was still like 2005. I was like, oh, this will be easy enough. And still, I was like, ah, I can't pick. <laughs> well, there's like, um, we've been doing this show long enough to the point where it's like, whenever we don't have a guest, we're the ones who pick. So then we kind of have to do this thing where it's like, all right, I can pick the obscure or I can pick the popular thing. And a lot of times we side with like the popular thing just because we're like, look, at least somebody might listen. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to hear me talk about this, like, obscure-ass, like, Screamo record that no one has heard since 2007. Well, yeah, yes. you, you get into that, that, that mindset, too, the podcaster mindset, right? Mm-hmm. Of, like, well, what's going to be the draw? Is it going to be me? Is it going to be the guest? Is it going to be the subject? Like, and, of course, the perfect thing is to have it be all three. But yeah. you're, you're never quite certain. And I... Like I, I almost went with a really obscure one. I think for this, and then I ended up going with something more popular. But yeah, it was by the a, way, it was a, an you, embarrassment of riches. When you you brought that up, it's like the combination of you, the host, the guest, and whatever it is you're talking about. Have you figured out what matters? Because I still don't know at this point. I don't think anyone knows. <laughs> I don't think it's crazy. I have episodes of Ghoul School where it's like. You know, there's the the one episode, the most popular episode is a pretty obvious one because it's the one that gets like, it's the longest one and it's the one that gets, uh, every so often someone will tweet about it and be like, hey shit, this rec- this episode is, you know, in depth. And, but then there's episodes where it's like, I don't know why this one is the one more yeah. people are. And then there's episodes where I'm like, but I have this guest who's so, and it's still the numbers yeah. aren't as good as this episode where... I don't think yeah. this guy's ever been on a podcast before, but it's the second most popular episode. And it's like, you know, it's, I mean, it's all a mystery. Who knows? Yeah. It's like, it, it's bizarre. Like our number one most listened to episode is a, a Dropkick Murphys episode where we had <laughs> no guest. It was just us. I it thought a, it was a gimmick episode. Yeah. Too. It was like our St. Patrick's Day episode. And <laughs> it we weren't very nice about the record either. And it was just like... <laughs> It's still our most listened to episode. It's and weird. It's like, I, I, the only thing I could chalk that up to is it was like the newest episode we had done right before lockdown started. So maybe it had to do with everybody's bored at home. Yeah. Yeah. That's the that. only thing I could think of. But, you know, I think that, yeah, one of the most popular ghoul schools is, I think, a similar thing where it's like yeah. it was right before shit got locked down yeah. or maybe right after. I, I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, it's a mat. It's a mystery. Look, the we- the world is a terrifying place, <laughs> and it's never nothing is ever certain. All we know is we need to pivot to reels now. That's where all the hits are at. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get on TikTok and fuel a conspiracy. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna do. That's how I'm gonna get clout. <laughs> 
so 2005, you said, was actually like uh, an easier year than something like 2004. So what are some, some of the options you were considering before you <laughs> well, made your final selection? Well, I have 19 of them written down here. <laughs> No, there's, I'll go through a few because there were a lot of really good, and I scrolling through too some of the stuff that came out that year, it's like, well, I forgot entirely about this mm-hmm. record. And I would go listen to it and be like, holy shit, actually, I do love Circus Survive. Like, what? <laughs> you know, it's stuff I've forgotten about is all over that year because that was a weird year for me. I, it was a very transition year for me just in general both in music taste and in my life weird how those usually coincide mm. but i was kind of coming out a little bit more of the like hardcore power violence screamo stuff that i was listening to and getting more into like indie rock and you know some some more uh mellower things but um god one one record i'll just it's the probably the first one i should say is bear versus shark terror hawk like, hell yeah that's one of those records. That's one of the few records from that year that, like, I got it the day it came out. I got the <laughs> one copy that the Hastings in Santa Fe, New Mexico, got in stock because <laughs> a friend of mine worked there and I had him grab it for me. Uh, and just, yeah, front to back, that record is perfect. There's not a moment wasted on it. It's it's all killer, no filler. It's every time I listen to it, it's better. And I appreciate it more. And Jesus Christ, like, but here's the thing. I don't think I'm the guy to talk about that record. Like, <laughs> yeah, wh- you mentioned that. Like, yeah, like one, it's not my favorite Bear versus Shark record. My favorite is right now. You're in the best of yeah. hands, blah, 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 blah. Same. Yeah. Like I, that record still, I like it better than Terror Hawk. But also I feel like Terror Hawk is one of those records that like, Somebody who really knows music should be the person to talk about that. And I, I know what I like, and I can I know some terms. I've been in bands, I've I've played music, but I'm not like a music nerd enough to be able to like pinpoint exactly why Terrorhawk shreds so fucking hard. Like that's leave that to a scientist. I'm not a scientist. I'm a all I know is that hey, the rocket went to the moon. That's what I can tell you about Terror Hawk. I can tell you that when he goes S U N D A Y M O R and I N G, I fucking lose my shit when he does that. And that's what I can tell you about Terror Hawk. But beyond that, it's going to be a pretty short conversation. <laughs> yeah. It is funny that um, this that band had such a short yeah. career. Just two LPs and like an EP, which the EP has like half the same songs as the first record. Yeah. That's another one that, like, I didn't see them live when they were first around. Like, they, mm-hmm. they were around, they broke up, then they re- had a reunion, a couple reunion shows, and I went to see one of those, and it was mind-blowing. I was, and I was, in, I was in the pit the whole time. Yeah. Like, it, probably the last time I can say I was in the pit the whole time. <laughs> I've yet to see any of those reunions, which, they do them randomly. They're not, like, a lot of them. I have seen Bars of Gold though. So see, that was really I, I cool. really want to see Bars of Gold, like because yeah. that's they're great too, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which, bar, seeing Bars of Gold was almost like seeing Bear vs. Shark for me. Yeah, like yeah. it was like it's it felt like what I imagined seeing Bear vs. Shark would feel like. Probably, I mean, I would imagine so. Yeah, it's just like I mean, it was just sweaty, energetic, a feel yeah. good, like just like what it should be, what this music should be. 
was that's what bear seeing bear versus shark was and i imagine bars of gold it's got to be the same like i they're another band once so my i had this comedian friend kevin o'brien who used to do this uh show called taking back monday at this bar in denver <laughs> where he would just dj punk rock hardcore emo like pop punk all night every monday and i went to guest dj a couple times and one night he was like because he he would have me on guest djing with him and he'd be like all right don't play all screamo when you're on because <laughs> because i'll do that i will fucking get on there and i'll be like all right here we go hope you fuckers like lick golden sky because that's all you're getting <laughs> um but what it, I would have to like fight for songs sometimes with him. And one time I was like, I put on Bear vs. Shark and he was like, are you sure, man? And I was like, hell yeah, dude. And I put it on. And this guy at the bar, the second the song came on, this guy who was like at the bar kind of like, sort of just like hanging out, not really, just I, I, exploded. Just like yeah. leapt out like Pinocchio coming to life. Like just <laughs> he was shot by lightning and just lost his mind. And it was like, fucking bear versus fucking shark. <laughs> so it's another one of those things where it's like, you know, not a lot of people in this room are going to get this, but the ones that do are really going to get it. Yeah, yeah, it's it elicits it, propulsive energy. It really, that that band is just, it's 10 yeah. all the time. I, I remember the first time I heard them was a, my friend Sean was listening to an Equal Vision sampler on this, on his portable CD player Walkman disc man and he was like Andy you got to check this out and yeah from the from the the opening of the song I think it was buses no buses mm-hmm. was the song that was on the sampler and it was just like huh shit that's such is, a good one too yeah <laughs> I think I was in like a coffee shop in like Savannah once and like the guy working there was playing a bear versus shark record and I was just like oh, oh, bear versus shark you're playing <laughs> <laughs> yeah so good so yeah terror terror hawk was definitely one that's like you know i was in there on the ground floor when that route record came out and i loved it all that year and into the future but not not the i don't feel like i'm the guy to talk about it Hmm. i'm not the person for that (laughs) for that album i think it's an album for me but i am not the one for it for this show (laughs) uh and then gosh what else well, I guess I should probably tell you the the one that I really wanted to do uh, that I considered right up until changing my mind was <laughs> uh, more obscure Meneguar. I was born at night, and it's it's another one of those ones where like not a lot of people I know know it, but the mm-hmm. people that do, it's like my friend Zach Peterson is a comic, really great dude, uh, has been in some bands himself. Like uh, we went on tour together uh, doing stand up, and he put it on in his car while we were driving and i was like you like meneguar you know meneguar you know this band and he was like hell yeah this is the best indie rock record ever made and i was like <laughs> i knew we were friends for a reason because uh, i very re- like i remember when they played and i went to see them in denver when i was living there after i'd moved after this record came out and i couldn't get anyone to come with me like nobody knew who i was talking about and i was like okay well i guess i'll go by myself and it was still a great time, but um, it's an incredible record. But the thing is, is that I was listening to your tragedy episode, mm-hmm. and the guest that you had said something about, like, well, I can't talk about the weaker thens because it's so specific, it's so personal, it's so emotional that it might alienate, like, the audience. And that's the thing, like, 
I mean, obviously that's what a lot of this music is for. It's what it's mm-hmm. about. It's like the more specific you get, the more personal you get, the more the harder people will relate to it. But yeah. Maneguar in particular, that record, like it's it's definitely my favorite record of two thousand five. It's the most it's the it's the record that mean meant the most to me from that year at that time. But it's also probably like I don't think I can talk about that record without just getting super confessional about <laughs> my 2005, like what that yeah. year was like for me. They're inseparable. And uh, another record that was like that was Golden Birds Transamerica. And both of them had so much, like I was going through a rough relationship patch. I was going through a move. I was, I was quitting my dreams to go work a job. I didn't really want to work to try and like be a productive you know, young man, and just, like, so much of that record, of both of those records are, like, tied up in the turmoil that I was going through at that time that, like, I don't think I could talk about the songs or the the records, the albums, without, like, you know, just putting everybody off. (laughs) Just being like, (laughs) and now I'm going to start crying for 10 minutes. So uh, it, it would be, like... Yeah, it's, it's like making you listen to a poem, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. if, if someone goes to a poetry reading, great. They're there for that. That's beautiful. I, and I love poetry. Don't get me wrong. I think that if you make fun of poetry, you're homophobic uh, and misogynist and uh, a monster. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, like, don't just share your poetry with somebody that you, like, just met. Like, that's not that's not what this is for. So... I feel like that's what talking about I Was Born at Night would be. But if you can find it, you should definitely listen to it. House of Cats is such a great fucking song. It's a banger, and it's a great album. You know, there is, there are so many different... With this show, we've discovered there's so many different approaches you can take with it. Like, you can. You can go with, like, the safe bets. Like, yeah, we're going to talk about a Fugazi record, yeah. because Fugazi are gigantic. Which, by the way, it took like 140 episodes to actually get somebody to pick a Fugazi record. <laughs> and then we talked for like two hours about Fugazi. Yeah. yeah. And then we were like, we could still talk about Fugazi. Yeah. 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 But <laughs> I mean, I could talk about Fugazi, right? Like, I, they're a band I never got to see live. And I'm still pissed yeah. about it because I was working at a video store and I couldn't get my shift changed. And I fuck, I'm, I was so mad. We had a customer that was going to see them. He was he came in cuz I was I was the one dude that worked at this video store with like a mohawk. So he came in and like the first he's like, "Oh, punk rock. Let's talk about Fugazi." And he's just yeah. like, "They're coming to town next month. Are you going? I'm going." And I was like, "I'm going to try." And then the day of the show, he came in to rent a movie. And I was like, "What are you fucking doing here, man? You're going to see Fugazi." And he was like, "I know, but life is sick. Like, so we might just stay in and watch him." He was like, "I'm not renting you anything." I, I refuse to rent. Go to see Fugazi. Like I'm not renting you a movie. I don't care if I get fired. I'll cancel. I'll delete your account right now. Go see Fugazi. What are you doing? Like rent a movie for her, and then you go see Fugazi. Like yeah. you know, do it for me because I'm not gonna get. And then of course, no more Fugazi. So it's one that of those was the things, argument to her, right? Yeah. You you could have been like, I I've I've heard this recently, and I don't know if I if it was a guest who said it or if I heard it on another show, but they basically were like go to the show. You don't feel good, you don't want to do it, but it's somebody like you want to see, like you really mm-hmm. want to see. Not just like, yeah, I don't want to go to my buddy's open mic, you know, like that kind of thing. You don't have to do that, but like, yeah, don't support your friends. <laughs> no, it's go not, see Fugazi. Don't not, you can see, see him anytime. Yeah. <laughs> That's just like my new motto, though. It's just like, just go to the show. Yeah. 
You're yeah. not going to remember that you went to work. I can remember you didn't go see yeah. Fugazi. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I have three big, four big regrets as far as like shows that I missed because of work or whatever reason. Like two of them were work. Two of them were people I was dating. Um, <laughs> Fugazi was work. I missed Rage Against the Machine. Actually, that one doesn't hurt as much anymore because then I ended up seeing them at Rock the yeah. Bells much later. But it was a thing they were touring with you too. And I could have gone, but I had to work and I couldn't get my shift change and I missed it, whatever. But like I missed REM at the Hollywood Bowl with the National and Modest Mouse on their last tour yeah, because of someone I was dating. <laughs> and then uh, before that, though, in like 2000, I missed Discount. Discount played wow. at the Warehouse 21, the local venue in Santa Fe. Uh, it was a, friend, my, a show my friend put together. And they announced on stage that night that they were breaking up. And <laughs> the thing is, it was a show on Valentine's Day. And my my girlfriend at the time was like, and I've been telling her for a week, I'm going to see Discount. Like my friend Molly's putting on the show, Discount's playing, and I fucking love Discount. I've never seen them live. And, she, and then the day of, I was like, she's like, so what are we doing for Valentine's Day? And I was like, I'm going to see Discount. <laughs> you totally can come with me. And she's like, you're not going to a punk show on valentine's day and i you know i i conceded to her and i regret the (laughs) shit out of that now because they broke up after that and i never got to fucking see discount it's not a real holiday right like (laughs) we can do a thing tomorrow like it'll be just as special it'll be more special if it's just about us you know but like instead i'm gonna i'm gonna go out on the night that every other couple is going out and get <laughs> lousy service because yeah. the server has to work on a holiday. Yeah. Stupid. <laughs> so stupid. Anyway, choose choose the show, not your relationship. I don't mean that. That's But yeah, go to the show. <laughs> go to the show. Yeah, like not don't be like, well then this if you go to the show tonight, it's over. Then <laughs> be like all right. Well, well, that's the thing. If someone's going to say that to you, that right there means, okay, this is going to be over anyway. Like yeah. you don't you don't know that when you're 20 years old, right? Like yeah. I now in my 40s, I know. Well, for one, I'm in a I'm in a relationship with someone who would never fucking do that. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. everything would be a conversation. But when you're 20, you don't know that, and someone gives you an ultimatum. It's like, oh, well, okay, I guess I, you yeah. know. I guess I guess a better example would be like you really should go to your uh, kids' recital. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, I want to go see. <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely go to your kid's recital. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. you gotta. It's the family obligations. Then it's the yeah. show. Yeah. In case uh, I'm sure the, the audience please, knows this, please don't take uh, life and relationship advice from this from podcast. three podcasters. Yeah, yeah. Please don't. Please don't. Um, yeah, there were a lot of other records in 2005, too. Transistor, Transistor, Erase All Name and Likeness is another fucking great album. Gospel. Oh, God, that did, gospel record. Did you listen to the new one that yes! just came? <laughs> it's so fucking good. It's, I, it's, was, I was shocked at when that record came out. I was yeah. like, there's a new fucking gospel record? <laughs> yeah. I, I listened to the, that, the gospel record from 2005 this month because... It came out in like June of 2005, um, this past past month. So, and like I had seen that record cover and heard about that band for years and years and never listened to it. And I listened to it 
And I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> it's so This different. drumming alone is worth listening. If it were just the drums, I would yeah. listen to it. There's there's this thing about that era of, you know, what you call screamo, uh, hardcore power violence, fucking, I, I don't, you know, scrams, you know. Post-hardcore. Post-hardcore, yeah. whatever you want to call it where it was like all of these really incredible bands that all sounded different. Like that's Mm -hmm. the thing when the scrams revival or whatever was going on in like 2012 or I don't know that 2011, that area, like there were a lot of great bands, but at the time, like a lot of them kind of sounded the same to me. Whereas if you look at these bands that were like hot cross page 99, majority rule, um, gospel, like city of Caterpillar, they were all doing pretty different things with it. They all, all the bands stood out for different reasons. Um, I think that we're getting a lot more of that now. A lot more of bands that that are bringing like a unique uh, bent to to what they're doing. But yeah, go- that gospel record, part of that rich screamo tradition of like a band that would get together, release one LP, yeah. maybe an EP, and then fucking disappear. <laughs> and and it was it always felt unfair to me that that was the only gospel record we got you know i was like majority rule we got two page 99 we got several yeah, like, yeah. hot even hot cross managed to do three full lengths like what do yeah. you come on give us more and i yeah i remember one day it was one of those records that like i, I was a, working a pa job shortly after i moved to la and i had to drive all over la like a whole day work and that was the only cd i had in my car and I listened to it the entire time, and the entire time I was like, "I'm never gonna get sick of this. This is, it's just brilliant. It's it's so good." Oh, let's see if we can play uh, one band, one album, Screamo. Uh, who's who's another good one like that, Dylan? What your favorite? Stop it, the Richmond band. Oh, stop it! <laughs> yeah, like so a di- like an EP and an album. Yeah, like a one and done <sighs> type band. Let's see what yeah. else. Oh. Well, City of Caterpillar only had the one, the one LP. self-titled studio album, and then they had the you know demo and live recordings and some splits. Like almost all the Sarah Kirsch bands were like uh, Torches to Rome or like uh, Bread and Circus Bread was and one Circuits. LP. Like it's just like one thing that they did, or like an EP and a split or something like that. Yeah, To Dream of Autumn, I think only did one, and they were they were pretty great. Um, Feels like there was. In that like ninety nine ninety seven to two thousand seven, that's probably like the perfect like era of that. Like we did one or two things and that's it. And then we all started new yeah. bands with like all the same people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's the. Th- I mean, especially if you're talking about like the Virginia, mm-hmm. you know, North Carolina, DC scene. It's like these bands are all in. You know, they break up, but it's like four of those guys are in another <laughs> band with two of the guys from this other band. Like it's it's all the same. You know, not, it's not all the same. Yeah. You know what I'm saying, though. It's like it, it's it's an incestuous community. Right. It's a it's a very like tight knit community, and you know they're all kind of. I mean, shit, Maneguar, That was a Magic Bullet release. Yeah, Magic Bullet had like um, that's like all of the bands on Magic Bullet were those kind of bands that just like yeah, one and done, and that's it. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. I guess the other record, I should say this, the other record I was going to do, and like, whatever, there was a lot. Silvermount Zion had a great record that year. Modern Life is War had a great record that year. Uh, Mile Marker, uh, Bright Eyes had two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Day in Black and White, Sinaloa. Like, there's a great bunch of great records from that year. But like, the other one, and this is probably, I shouldn't be saying this, but 
that I've now realized is maybe the one I should have picked. But hey, here's the thing. I, I have ADHD. I have and all the shit that comes with it, like rejection-sensitive dysphoria and um, imposter syndrome and anxiety and depression and all this nonsense. Like, so again, making decisions is difficult for me. But one thing that has helped me, if there's anybody listening that struggles with this, is this mantra I have discovered, which is, uh, none of this matters. (laughs) None of this matters. Because I am the person who goes to a restaurant and like, it's, it's for years, my friend, decades even, my friends and family, this is the running joke with me is that every time I order something, it takes me forever to order. And then I order. And then immediately I'm, I should have got the other thing. (laughs) And I do that with everything. And I did that with this, but hey, it's fine. None of this matters. <laughs> I'm here. I'm ch- it's chill. You, y'all are chill. We're going to talk about the record I did pick. And so it's not a catastrophe that I did not pick Propagandi's Potemkin City Limits. <laughs> it is not a catastrophe. Everything is fine. It's, uh, it's a terrific record. Also, though, not my favorite Propagandi record. Yeah. That would be Today's Empire's Tomorrow's yeah, Ashes. Yeah, press for my but so if, if you ever pick 2001 for me that's what you're getting what i was gonna say is like well <laughs> look yeah you said nothing none of this matters you know like that's your mantra but also it's like you can just come back like <laughs> yeah. that's the other thing right is it's like again it doesn't matter because i can just come yeah. back if you if you'll have me if this isn't a complete you if, know sacrilege if i could book guests for a month straight i would like just like all right you're this is your residency on the show for now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> saves yeah. me some booking time <laughs> um I, I, look and i would do it that's the thing i would right. do it in a heartbeat because we'll, we'll keep that in mind yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. If, hell if you want to do a, a propaganda retrospective because that's another thing they're another band that like were very important to me at a very pivotal time in my life and just like throughout the years my relationship with them has changed and evolved and i've come to appreciate like Potemkin city limits i've been listening to that to a lot this last week and it is it just gets better every time i hear it like it's it's just so great it's (laughs) i don't even know what to say okay there's the one part that has a slur which is like I get it. I get why it's in here. I get what you're trying to do. You're still saying the word, and we could have yeah. a whole discussion about the problem here and and on either side, the debate about it. But it's still like that's a little bit of a mar. Uh, that's a little bit of a of a of a wrinkle for me on this on this record. But it is it is great. Does he still use and it? He doesn't use it. I don't know. I don't think so. I haven't seen I haven't what? seen Propagandi live in a very long time. He also strikes me as the type of person who'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, that was dumb. I shouldn't have done that. I mean, yeah, the minute yeah. you call him out for it, he'd probably oh, be like, yeah. oh, yeah, that was shitty and I don't do yeah. it and it's stupid. Um, and it's one of those things, like, I like again, I get why. Yeah. Because he's this, the, the, the perspective of the song. But when you know what you know about, again, the master's tools and the master's house, et cetera, like, you can come up with a more poetic way to say yeah. it. You can come up with a more clever way to represent this this I, this position you're trying to damn especially considering that the song it's in is just a very serious song Mm -hmm. about like like, which is nothing new (laughs) uh propaganda wrote a serious song get the fuck out the first record has a lot that aren't (laughs) well yeah 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 but um even the Todd the Todd songs on this record are really good. I love all the Todd songs, all the I Spy style songs. Oh, yeah. But 
Yeah, that song is very serious. Uh, so it, it's one of those things where it feels a little sharper when you hear it in that song too, because it's a song about like, you know, I can't mourn dead American soldiers because I know what American imperialism is. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, Potemkin City Limits is another one <laughs> <laughs> that I that I think about now, and I'm like, man, this would be this would this would be one I could talk about. But um, well. I didn't choose it. Everyone stay tuned for Andy's uh, residency starting next month. <laughs> we'll uh, just we'll just go through all of 2005 <laughs> with you. But uh, we've got an hour, so let's talk about the actual record that we are supposed to be talking about today. <laughs> I don't know. I still want to talk about, um, you know, the Warriors um, and the Hold Steady. And, okay, or that Lucero record, uh <laughs> Oh, yeah. I actually listened to that today after this, the one we talked about. I was just like, God, I love this. I love Lucero. One of my favorite bands yeah. ever. So They're really good live, too. Yeah. They're, you know, that's a thing I think all the bands we are talking about have in common. Yeah. Yeah, it translates, like, you know, in the space when you're recording, even just that energy of them live. Because even if it's like a simple band where they don't move around a lot, like Lucero doesn't move around a ton, you know. The one guy sits down. <laughs> <laughs> most of the show i watched the oh i've talked about this before but not uh, not the drummer the drummer of course sits. yeah yeah <laughs> no i've watched the bass player on multiple like songs take his bass off leaning against the amp and like go like do like a one hit on a cigarette which i thought was really <laughs> weird he was doing one hitters on a cigarette on a stage because he's like i'm not allowed to smoke in here one and he puts it out immediately <laughs> But like he put the bass down and then like wandered around and then just keep it in the <laughs> tuck tuck it in the in the in the head or in the you know like everybody else does. That's where you put cigarettes. Yeah, he's a fun guy to watch. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, let, let's let's roll into the album. So I gave you 2005 and you selected the Sunset Tree by the Mountain Goats. about this because I, I think we talked about this but like it's not punk yeah you know it's and punk adjacent might be a stretch but it's <laughs> like there are certain bands right there are certain non-punk acts that like punk punks yeah will be into and that have that like crossover appeal like 
you know, like I used to joke about, are you a chick, chick, chick or a Harmar punk? Like <laughs> if you go, because like, I feel like there are two factions, right? Well, and now, ugh, fuck that guy. But, <laughs> but you know, like you could put chick, chick, chick at a party full of punk kids and they're going to be into it. Or you could put like, you, you always have the punk friends that listen to like the mountain goats. Yeah. You know, they're, they're one of those bands that I think has that appeal. It's like in Chuck Klosterman's book, Fargo Rock Steady, he talks about like metalheads are metalheads. But we all love Tom Petty. Like, <laughs> that's the what you know. Met, we we fucking hate. We think Van Halen sold out when they started using synthesizers. <laughs> we fucking love Metallica over the Big Four or nothing. But Tom Petty, we do love Tom Petty. Yeah, everyone I know who likes the Mountain Goats is is into punk in some form or fashion or has been at one point in their life. So it's not it. I call it a, of interest to punks. Like that's definitely yeah. And there's a lot of punk ethos and, uh, you know, punk lifestyle and punk culture in the Mountain Goats story, like in the song subject matter and in the the touring and the the releasing, the DIY ethic that that John Darnielle had for such a long time uh, with this project. So I think it counts. Yeah. So and he covered Jawbreaker once. So. (laughs) Uh, I have a couple stats, that's what I call them, on the album, and I'll run through those real quick. So, uh, The Mountain Goats started as a solo project in Claremont, California by John Darnell. After releases, years of releasing boombox home recordings, The Mountain Goats became more of a band, with Darnell collaborating with a variety of musicians. This is the band's ninth studio album, so there's some stuff that's not counted, but is counted. There's a lot of stuff. <laughs> it was released yeah. April 26, 2005 on 4AD Records and the personnel on this album is John Darnell on guitar and vocals Peter Hughes on bass and vocals Alex DeCarville on drums Franklin Bruno on piano and Eric Friedlander on cello with the album being produced by John Vanderslice uh, Peter Hughes has been on every single Mountain Goats album since Tallahassee so he's essentially like a main member of the band. Uh, Franklin Bruno has played on other records, such as See America, uh, See America Right. Is that what it was called? Yeah. Tallahassee, We Shall Be Healed, Get Lonely, Inheritic Pride. Uh, he also appeared on this year's Super Chunk record, Wild Loneliness. I thought that was cool. Uh, and then Eric Friedlander is a cello player who has... Uh, he's on a couple Mountain Goats records, Get Lonely, Heretic Pride, Beat the Champ. Uh, he's also been on 400 releases, including... <laughs> Uh, you know, a cello a musician is in, in demand. So uh, he's been on Elvis uh, Elvis Costello records, Alanis Morissette, lots of John Zorn records, uh, hmm. Kelly Clarkson, and to connect it to uh, to Pod the Life, he's on Korn's MTV Unplugged. Oh, shit! <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, look, Korn MTV Unplugged is a very special <laughs> event. It is an experience. Uh, I'm a I'm a big fan of the Corn <laughs> <laughs> Uh That's fucking awesome. I didn't know he was on that. Yeah. That's great. Um, I think that probably Franklin Bruno you said was on the Super Chunk record. Yeah, Wild Loneliness. It's probably because John Worcester John John Worcester is in the Mountain Goats now, yeah. and Super Chunk. There's that connection. Also, I forgot what I was. Gonna, <laughs> there's another thing I was going to say, but that's that's I would imagine why the uh, and they merge. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They live in Durham. Well, now, it was too. because of John Worcester that the Mountain Goats started uh, putting stuff out on yeah. Merge. Yeah, and he moved to Durham around, around 2006. He moved to Durham 
So uh, I forget where he was before here, but yeah. So the usual thing I usually ask first is uh, what made you choose this album to talk about? Well, it's it's going to be funny because I've already said that like uh, the reason I didn't pick other records is because they weren't my favorite record by that artist. This is also not my favorite <laughs> Mountain Goats record. <laughs> There are there are mountain ghosts. I think it's a five way tie for first actually, <laughs> and this is this is tied with two or three others for second. But I it's it's a it's a changing point in the mountain goats discography uh, f- for John Darnielle as a as a songwriter and for the band as a you know as an entity and the directions that that he was going with it. It's also not a record that was on my radar when it came out, unlike the other records we've talked about, this is a record that I came to kind of later. It's weird. My I first heard the Mountain Goats in probably, I think, 2000-ish, 2000, 2001. I think the summer of 2001, maybe, because I had a friend. Well, okay, so what happened was Adam and his package <laughs> put out <laughs> Redefining uh-huh. Music, which had three Mountain Goats covers oh. on it. And I heard those songs and I was like, I got to check out this fucking Mountain Goats band. And I had this friend named Steve who was also a big Adam and his package fan and was also into Mountain Goats and was like, oh, yeah, you'd love the Mountain Goats. But I also kind of had this like, I don't know, I was the punk scene. You can talk a lot about like the judgment you feel or the like wanting to be the first to something or wanting to, you know, I don't take recommend, whatever. (laughs) Every band I know about, I know because of someone who was in my life that was cooler than me. Like, and that's just the way it is. I was never the cool guy, you know, but you, you start to, I don't know, you get into conversations, right. About like who owns punk and, and (laughs) when, when do you, you know, when do you come to something versus when I feel like I'm going off-roading here. Uh, let me rein it in. Um, so he recommended to me and I listened to, you know, uh, a few of the shrimper releases. I think I I couldn't tell you what Mm. all, but I was like, Oh, they're, they're good. Yeah. I like, I like them. I like this. This is, this is good, but it's a little, I wasn't quite ready for it. You know, I wasn't quite ready for the, like the, the low fineness Mm. of it and, and all of that. And the lyrics were a little probably too, you know, I, I was into, at that age, I was into punk rock that was, like, declarative and, you know, political and about the struggle and stuff that was, like, super personal, super, obviously, aside from the weaker thens. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, the weaker thens are very special. Like, I was already into the weaker thens, but I would hear the Mountain Goats and I'd be like, well, I'd rather listen to the weaker thens, you know? <laughs> and... It took me a while to come back to the Mountain Goats. I think it was Heretic Pride came out, and I was really into that. And I, I also had a coworker I think before Heretic Pride came out that was really into Mountain Goats and was always trying to like you should listen. And I would listen. I'd be like, yeah, this is good, this is great, but it's not something I always want to put on all the time. But then Heretic Pride came out, and I was like, holy shit, this is this is great. I love this. It's amazing. And uh, when Life in the World to Come came out, I listened to that, and I was also into that. But it was also still like there was something that wasn't connecting for me as far as like getting super into them. And then in 2010, I saw the Mountain Goats play at FYF in L.A. And I could go on a huge rant about festivals and that festival in particular and just like how festivals are not the ideal way to see any musical act like 
there's exceptions to that, obviously. Like the roots that rock the bells was one of the best things I've ever seen in my life. And the mountain goats at FYF in 2010. Like I, I saw Titus Andronicus, I think that same year at FYF. And it was terrible. <laughs> and then I saw them months later again in Denver. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. They're amazing. Like, so just festivals in general. You get to be a very special kind mm-hmm. of performer, I think, to have a great set at a festival. And the mountain goats did. And I saw, when I saw them live, that's when it all connected for me. Because John Darnielle has this thing that I think it's not, it's not a popular idea in punk. Like, right, like a lot, it's, which is ironic because a lot of the early punk acts were sort of started almost in the same fashion as boy bands. Yeah. <laughs> but like where mm-hmm. it was made to be like an image, a celebrity, mm-hmm. an icon, you know, there was an icon worship to it. But like the real punk bands, the bands that are really about the punk shit, the up the punks mentality is no, no one's special. No one's a star. Yeah. This isn't phony. This isn't Hollywood. This isn't bullshit. Like this all comes from the heart and it's all about fucking stuff up. And it's an idea that it's kind of like undercut a lot of, I think what's special about live performance and in music and, and it's, I mean, I, you can be of several minds about it, right? Like it's not necessarily a good or a bad thing, but you know, cause there's a lot of performers you see that think they're rock stars and you see them and you're like, you don't got it. You're full of shit. I'm not into you. But then you see Bruce Springsteen and it's like, this fucking guy is a God. This guy has come from another planet. And a planet of rock stars. Yeah. Planet of, everyone's like that. They just are born with jeans and leather jackets on. Yeah. It's also where Kurt came from. And, I, I think, but the, yeah, the, 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 the tradition of the performer, the divas, the crooners, the torch singers, the like, the lounge acts, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, uh, the, uh, there's an element of the enthusiasm that comes with performing and having a self-awareness about, I know I'm performing, but also, you know, being able to give yourself over to the truth in your performance and having it like possess you in a way. And that's a fine line. And it's a thing that I don't think a lot of people can do. Uh, under any circumstances, you know, it's, I think it comes with touring relentlessly for years and having a deep artistic connection to what fucks you up as a person and what you're willing to talk about. And, you know, also maybe there's a, a little bit of narcissism in it, you know, maybe there's, or there's a little bit of ADHD and I don't <laughs> know, like a little bit of like, I want some attention and I'm getting it. And I'm, fe- and I can tell you as a stand up comic, having a decade of experience in that world. Like I, I, I'm not saying any of this to be dismissive or um, whatever. It's because it's a thing that I can relate to. It's a thing that like when you're really in it and I've probably only been in that zone a very, I could probably count on one hand, you know, (laughs) but when you get it and, and you feel it, like you feel something you're getting from the audience and you're giving back, it's like a very special thing. And he's got that. And I've seen them perform, I don't know how many times now. I've seen the Mountain Goats live every time I've been able to for since since 2010, since I saw that performance at FYF until recently when they came here and I was like, I'm not going to First Ave during COVID. <laughs> um, and I think that was, it, it elevated a lot of the material for me at that moment. Like there's a lot of stuff where like a lot of the songs that I had heard before that I was like, I get why this is good. But it was like that, it like crystallized seeing him perform them those songs live it's like oh 
no, this, I get it. Hmm. I get this now. And as a result, I went back and really got into all of the back catalog and, and got kind of obsessed with it. And, um, and so the sunset tree is, I think, you know, it's this record he, he put out because it was the final record he did with 4AD and it was, you know, sort of the culmination of those, that like three album arc where it was like his first time in a studio with a full band, not doing the boombox thing with a producer that, you know, was kind of making the material more than just the songs that he had written and, and putting a lot more. And there's so much like, there's so much going on in all these songs by comparison to his earlier stuff. And it's also, you know, the record he wrote it, the songs are all mostly all about his childhood mm-hmm. and growing up in an abusive home. And, you know, before that, he would he would sort of tell his autobiographical stories through metaphor, through these little narratives. And that's another thing that makes this, because this record is like his old work in that way, in that a lot of the songs feel like short stories. They're all pretty narrative. They're not these declarative anthems the way you would usually get in punk rock. They're not like, you know... <laughs> in punk rock there's usually very little mystery you know? <laughs> there's usually there's usually not a whole lot to figure out like the they will tell you what the song they is will about. say fuck you george in, bush because it's 2005 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah or they'll say free john hinckley and their song will get cut from the rock against bush <laughs> like propaganda did Johnson Avenue in San Luis Obispo and I'm five years old or six maybe and indications that there's something wrong with our new house trip down the wire twice daily I'm in the living room watching the Watergate hearings while my stepfather yells at my mother launches a glass across the room straight at her head and I dash upstairs to take cover lean in close to my little record player on the floor so this is what the volume knobs for I listen to Dance music, dance music. Um, yeah, so it's it, it, it's very different in that way. In that it, they're they're all sort of you know there's people online that like pour over these lyrics yeah. and try to figure. And John John Darnielle, I guess, is pretty like. I'm not going to explain all my songs to you, which is interesting because also another thing that's great about seeing them live is his banter. I could straight up just listen to him, go to a show where he's just talking about his songs. You know, it's, it's fascinating stuff. And so much work goes into the songs and, and into the, the lyrics and people try to decode the lyrics to figure, Oh, what is this a metaphor? What is this reference? What does this mean? Cause the songs are very layered and rich with metaphor and reference and, and things. But uh, I do like that. There's a little bit of mystery, but you can get, the specific details you do get, like you can relate to them, you know, you use proper nouns and it doesn't matter if I know the proper noun or not, I'm going to pick up on what you're saying about it, on what it means to you. You know, I've got an analog for everything you're talking about in a song, if you, if you're really meaning it. And, and it's his, his attitude of recording this was kind of like, well, this is probably going to be the last chance I get, you know, to record an album on this level for this kind of a label in a studio with this producer and really just go nuts. So I'm going to just go nuts and I'm going to make it as personal as possible. And it's going to be all about, you know, growing up 
uh, under the oppression of domestic violence and you know what it's like when your abuser dies and you know my addiction and my struggles with that and I'm just going to put it all in there and we're going to play with the production and it's going to be everything I can throw into it. And that's what you got was everything he could throw into it. And I think that it's a very interesting record in that regard. And the songs still hit, you know, sorry. No, 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 that was a good little, like uh, a like a thesis on the, uh, on the album. Interestingly, um, you, you asked us early, uh, you asked me early on, he's like, uh, should we do this record? You know, like if you hate the mountain goats, you know, we could do something else. And, my response to you was, I don't hate the mountain goats. I don't actually have any opinion or much of a feeling on the mountain goats because I never had a mountain goats face. Like, that was just, like, something that I never had. There was a point when Heretic Pride came out and I was working at Barnes & Noble in the music department. And, like, I remember seeing that CD every day and I'd be like, what is that? And I'm like, that would have been the two paths in the woods if I had actually gone that way. I <laughs> probably would have enjoyed it and hooked it then. You know, I had that thing go on with literally this record. I was at Wax Tracks in Denver when this record came out, and I was like, or not too long after this record came out, and I and I had it in my hands, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to buy I like, you know, I like what I've heard. We'll check it out. And I, I think, I don't know what I got. I think instead I got, like, I don't know, an Excelsior record <laughs> or, uh, or a Godspeed or something. Like, I got something else instead. Like, I put it back, and I got something yeah. else, and I, and it's... I I like I remember when I saw them, like, oh, I should have got that fucking <laughs> Sunset Tree record. Like even though I'd already, you know, I'd gotten into Heretic Pride and Life in the World to Come and, and all that, but yeah, it's it's that, that fork yeah. in the road thing is real, you know. So yeah, my my knowledge of the Mountain Goats is like they're an important band to a lot of people. They have this um very deep connection with people that like very few artists I've seen have I remember when I didn't know anything about them being kind of thrown off and feeling like there was maybe like a cult of personality around him at that stage. Um, I can see that. I can see there's, you know, certain, again, certain artists like Tori Amos, you know, or um, Bright Eyes. Yeah. Even, mm-hmm. Or, even you know, where like. Uh, Caraba. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> fucking Jeff Buckley. Yeah. Like, uh, you, you get people where it's like they get so single-mindedly obsessed with something yeah. that it becomes their whole world in a way. And I can see why that happens. Again, as someone like, I think it's usually the, the singer-songwriters that are talking about the stuff that a lot of us feel uncomfortable talking about or afraid to talk yeah. about. And so we hear it in a song and it becomes like, oh, they're speaking directly to me because this is an experience that I also have, but I don't talk about it with other people. So it feels more intimate, yeah. you know? So my, my connection, I guess, is just I've never had that like moment where I was like, oh, okay, I get it. This is, this is, this is my thing. Because I actually have a friend who asked, like, I'm actually a really big fan of the band AJJ. And oh, f- oh f- they had another fucking, re- they had a record. Their first record was 2005, right? The Candy Cigarettes and Cap. Yeah, that one's got some stuff on it that I wouldn't necessarily want to talk about. Just because. Uh, yeah, yeah, not no, that one, though. For, it didn't age well. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> the one after, let's, though? Let's, you could, yeah. Let's bleep it. Can you bleep it? <laughs> no, no. no, no, I love that record. I do. But it has songs on there that I'm like, yeah, they wouldn't write this today. Skip. You know, like that kind of thing. Skip no, that one. No, absolutely But not. my friend, I have a friend who like does enjoy, he, he likes this era of Mountain Goes. He didn't like follow past like too late in the career but he's always been like you like ajj but you don't like the mountain goats like i don't understand <laughs> like 
and I don't know. That's that was that was my band. But even then, that that's a different type of songwriting. Like there's similarities to the way yeah. he writes, and it's more the way he sings and the style of song he writes. But he also uses a lot of humor and different like mm-hmm. um, not not in the same way. They're not the same type of writers lyrically, but. But there's 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 similarities, yeah. you know. There's a there's a tone, and there's a and there's a thematic. There are thematic parallels. There are you know the the use of hyperbole. Yeah. Oh yeah, um, yeah for sure. <laughs> of poetic hyperbole, you know. I I, I love AJJ as well. Yeah. I, yeah. So yeah, I still think Good Luck Everybody is so fucking yeah. good. I know that it was it's kind of a snapshot record in a lot of ways. But, I saw uh, AJJ February twenty twenty. and it was just like well this record's immediately dated as of march 2020 because like i think there's like a line there's a line in that record that like specifically is saying maybe things will get better maybe they won't and i was like "Mm, the maybe you won't part uh (laughs) came true that song yeah thanks you cursed us (laughs) but i i do think again like you know john k sampson as well from the weaker thens has that kind of like again we're talking about very intimate things he's a little sweeter about it yeah and doesn't doesn't get quite as bombastic or as visceral with the the lyrics as you know AJJ or Mountain Goats or you know even Modest Mouse. Yeah, but, Sampson has this um, more quaint type of writing, or like he's talking about more provincial. Yeah. Really, it's more <laughs> he he kind of does the thing like um, oh, what's his name? Um, like a Wes Anderson if he was a singer instead of a, a filmmaker. Like just like the way he meticulously like little things that he puts in his songs. Like Yeah. Well, and I I think it's again, it's like maybe not such a popular idea in punk, but there's a lot of that in there, John Darneal wrote this really interesting and it's short, it's a quick read. This really interesting uh, bit about it's an it's in the atlantic but it's an article about the writing process for the song dance music on the sunset tree and he goes into you know uh, the idea of you know using a little bit of sleight of hand to make this thing that you've worked on that you're working meticulously on feel spontaneous or feel in the moment when you're performing it live or or when somebody hears it when you're laying it down like to that it t- there's a craft to it it takes work. It's not just, you know, in punk, we, we talk about, right? Like, oh, if it's not, it's got to be honest. It's got to be right off the cuff. It's got to be spontaneous, you know? But, like, the truth is, it's all rehearsed. And and that's another thing that I, you know, that speaks to me as someone who did stand-up is that it's, like, you, there there's a struggle there of, like, well, how do I make this bit that I've been practicing three times a night for the last six months feel fresh and new? And like I've discovered something when I do it in this show. And yeah, there's a bit of trickery to that. There's a bit of performance to that. There's a bit of like, you know, the actor stuff. Mm-hmm. And 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 even when you're writing, that that's a that's a concern. because um, you you have to bend the truth sometimes. Uh, you have to use flowery language sometimes. Yeah, to make it work or in comedy sake funnier like sometimes it's just like i'm gonna use a different word because it's fun it's a funnier word <laughs> yeah yeah or like yeah. with writing a song you would want to you know pick something that oh it flows better if i word it this way even though it's not 100 percent the way it happened you know yeah this you, isn't exactly this... totally super factual but it's still true yeah. you know what i mean like it's 
It you, still means what it means. You write those lines that don't quite mean yeah. something that fill the space, like because you need it to fit a space. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to like twist it and make it like evoke something rather than actually say something. And you can just lie in songs. Yeah. Oh, yeah <laughs> Nobody totally. said you. You yeah. can make up stories. They actually got a lot of those emo bands yeah. in the 2000s in trouble. Was like, oh, these lyrics are too confessive. Like, you confess the things that got you in trouble. <laughs> yeah. notions i don't i was trying to think of when i became aware of them um where my introduction was to this band and i think that i first became aware of them through some friends through a friend that uh i knew in high school who was in briefly in my death metal band um actually were they Uh, called the killers or satan's fingers or the hospital bombers (laughs) oh let's see what was it um, it was all yeah, the living. That's a classic uh, 2003 so metalcore band. <laughs> Fuck yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah. She was really into the Mountain Goats. I, I don't know when I became aware of her being like a super fan. She was definitely like one of those people like... And, and to Justin's point about like the the cult of personality around John, John Darnell, she was at least at those point, at that point, as like a teenager was very much the kind of person who was like single-minded, like obsessive, like talked about them all the time, referenced them all the time, listened to them all the time. So I think that that, that was my, that has to be my first real, but I didn't, I didn't put those pieces together. It wasn't like, oh, I'm not interested in the mountain goats because of this like super obsessive fascination that someone has with them. I was just like, oh, she really likes the mountain goats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, as I got older, like, I started to encounter other people who liked the Mountain Goats, and I was like, they kind of have the same thing going on. That's interesting. Yeah. Like, why does this band have that? And I think I probably had heard some of it at one point, and it just wasn't the right kind of music at the right time for me to, like, actually start listening to him and, and dig deeper. But I had the similar, like, similarly 
became aware of them not long after or maybe like connected more dots with that Adam and Adam and his package doing those mountain goats covers and being like, Oh, that's interesting. Maybe I should listen to them. But then I, what, for whatever reason, didn't follow through on that. Yeah. Like I, you know, I, yeah, I got into Cubs and five because I'm a Cubs fan and I got into, (laughs) I got into going to Georgia you know, and, and some other, but I, I think a similar thing where it was like, you know, I, but at the time it was like, yeah, I like it, but it's not, you know, and then, and then it grabs yeah. you at some point and then it really means a lot to you. And I think that, I mean, that's a thing that we, we kind of think of it as like a teenage thing or as a young person thing, but I'm in my forties and it still happens to me sometimes. Like I'll still like go discover a band that's like, fuck this band was doing thrash in 1987 and i didn't hear about it like and now it's like this is all i give a shit about you only talk to me about sacrifice we're only talking about sacrifice for the next two weeks but it's like you your music your relationship to music never ends like your growth through it and getting into things and getting thrown from things it never stops it it might it, it just gets less intense probably or less like, especially. I mean, I think I think the thing was we we think of it as a teenage thing because when you're a teenager, that's what like it's all you have. Like you have you have all the time, yeah. for it. Yeah, and that's a very punk rock thing. Like that's a very like that's a subject in all over punk music about like it's all we have. Like this is all we have. The music's important because we don't have yeah. anything else. We don't have any power in the world because we're young and the old, the people that are running the world are old and dying and they don't give a shit if they kill yeah. us too. And, and so that's, uh, you know, and I think that a lot of the, there's a lot of punk subject mm-hmm. matter in, in this record, like the idea of addiction and abuse and trauma and loss and uh, feeling powerless is throughout this record. And those are all pretty big punk themes. Yeah. Like, uh, especially there's like a song in particular that like really stood out for me. I think this year, like to me feels like one of the most punk songs on the entire record. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like he talks about drinking and punching (laughs) things and what's more punk rock than that, (laughs) you know? Yeah. It's been, it is like one of the most like, straightforward lyrically too but also like i don't know it's um very raw and but also paints like a story which like i could see other people who write a similar story who come from punk music too like i could see a ben nichols write a a similar idea most of his songs are all about heartbreak and like growing up and stuff like that but like he paints pictures and stories with his lyric type um yeah. I also think Ben Nichols has, I think he's said in multiple interviews, he's like, yeah, this song's not about anything in particular that happened. It's just like, he's just really good at like putting a scene together. Well, yeah. I mean, a lot of times people will say that about, you know, Mountain Goats songs like, like, oh, we shall all be healed is really when John Darnielle started writing about himself. And it's like, I, I know the other songs are like made up stories about made up people, but they're also yeah. about him. Like, Everything you write is about you in some way, if it means anything to you. Like, that's that's, that's what writing is. But, uh, so, like, I don't, I don't, I'm not here to argue with Ben Nichols. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, that much further west oh, yeah. is amazing. That's my favorite Sarah record. <laughs> it, same, everybody same. goes, Tennessee's the best. I'm like, Tennessee's amazing. That much further west. Is mine. Tennessee is amazing, <laughs> but that much that much further west is that's my yeah. that's in my heart forever. Yeah, but like 
but other songwriters too, like your Jake, your your Blake Schwartz and Box, and yeah, like we mentioned, John K. Sampson, and these type of writers have been in punk music forever. So like, I find it odd that we never, that yeah. Blake never went this route. I feel like he could have gone in like an acoustic folk. You've signed it. He he I don't played. Think he, a, I don't think he likes acoustic folky music. Yeah, he. I bet a, that's it. He played a set. He played a solo. I think it was solo, and I think it was acoustic set at a bar out in the middle of nowhere in California once that a friend of mine went to. Went to go see him and said it was great, but uh, but it was that kind of thing. But it, yeah, it's one of those things. Where it's like, huh? I'm surprised he's not doing more of that because I feel like everybody else. Yeah. You know, you like Hot Water Music. Yeah. Uh, like, there's guys from all these other bands that are doing this thing. It's kind of surprising he's, but yeah, he probably just he did that Thorns thing. of Life band, which would do acoustic acoustic stuff. But and I guess you can look at Jester Brazil as probably the softest he goes. But yeah, but even like John K doesn't do acoustic records. You know, like his he's got full band stuff on all those albums. So yeah, I do. He did an acoustic version of Utilities that was released on. Uh, Hmm. Some comp or sampler or something that I still prefer <laughs> to the uh, the album version. Um, yeah, I think he does that too. He plays around yeah. acoustically and stuff. But even when he does solo records, they're like, oh, no, this is produced. Mm-hmm. This is studio. You I mean, band. even that last John K record was like three-fourths of the weaker thans, you know? like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but just call it the weaker thans. What do you... Okay, I, get, I, I guess I think it's because it, that one but... guy in the band was like, yeah, we're done. And then they're like, oh... Okay, I guess we'll say we're done then. <laughs> it was like the the base. Well, because we're yeah, collectivists. Right. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I. It's true. I uh, yeah. So do, okay. But here's my question for y'all: Did you like? Do you like? You listen yeah. to the record again? Do you? What do? What do you think? What are you into it, man? Done. You go first. I guess I would say I'm not converted. <laughs> I'm probably I'm probably not gonna dig into their discography though i may check out other records as i come across them um especially if they seem like they might be significant important records mm-hmm. in their career i i would be curious to know what they're about knowing what i mean this record is it's interesting to hear for its place in his discography as like the end of that 4ad run and being a big production record or an artist who is really a singer songwriter artist who could easily just do acoustic records mm-hmm. by themselves. Like that's that's people were into them, were into him doing that before it's, it's not like he needs production to really have a career, but it is interesting to hear the production choices on this record. Some of them I think are really cool. Some of them I think are really odd. Um, I think I didn't love it for most Like there were probably parts of songs that I really enjoyed and lyrics, certain lines that I really enjoyed for most of the listen through the record. Um, And then like the last three songs, I was listening to them today, song for Dennis Brown, love, 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 uh, pale green things. And I'm like, I want, I wish this was the whole record. Like they're, they're definitely much more stripped down plaintive songs like they're and I, and I think the lyrics really shine. I think that his choice in vocal style really helps these songs because his voice is one of those voices that I don't hate the tone of his voice, 
the way people would say, oh, yeah, that's the thing you don't like about him. It's like, no, I don't dislike the tone of his voice. I, there's plenty of nasally singers that I love. Willie Nelson, I love. You know, I mean, even Sean from AJJ has that kind of like sort of untrained, brash performance. I think there are maybe just little things at the ends of phrases that irk me that make him harder for me to get into on the bigger, more theatrical songs. But those quieter songs where he's singing, like even just like singing, like really just singing in falsetto, just like really quiet, really not trying to peek on the mic at all. Just like we're really touching and really effective at delivering the lyrics. That's so wild to me because the, I mean, I love, 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 love. I, I actually, of those three, that's the, I really love that song. And there's like a very, like, that's so, <laughs> There's a there's a there's a line and there's a couple lines in that song that just like fucking cut me right into my core uh, for a number of reasons. But like Pale Green Things is the song that I think I listen to least because it almost feels voyeuristic to me. Like there's a because again he he writes so much these like narratives these characters these stories that when he has a song that's like no this song is about my yeah. stepdad dying. It's like, I feel, I feel like, oh, I, I got to close the door. I shouldn't look at this, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but it is a very touching song. And, but the stuff, the, the stuff in the weaker, the, <laughs> the weaker thens, the stuff in the mountain goats that I like the most are the songs that are like the fucking, like the tempo like this song's about yeah. revenge, yeah. you know, <laughs> this song's about like, you know, uh, that kind of stuff. Those are the songs that I like the most. Uh, from their from their catalog, so it's interesting. You actually might like some of the later stuff, some of the more recent mm-hmm. uh, stuff, like getting into knives and darken here, because uh, there's more of the, those like softer, quieter like uh, lamentations almost. You know? Yeah. But that's interesting to hear that, like, because I, I do think this is this is one of those bands that you know it, it's always he's always trying to do new stuff and he's always trying to like. He's a, he's a production nerd and like an equipment nerd from what I from what I gather. You know, the way he talks about music when he talks about it, it's like, oh yeah, you get the best result from this amp and this mic if you want to do this and uh, mm-hmm. and always like when he added Matt Douglas to the band, who's the multi-instrumentalist, he plays like saxophone and and some other reeds and horns and uh this more expansive sound. Um and I think a lot more but that's interesting. I think you might like some of the. I I, I swear I'm not trying to convert you. <laughs> I just realized I am that guy. I'd like that. Oh, you, you really love Tori Amos if you just. <laughs> and I and I and she was right when she told me that because then now I do love Tori Amos. But I need I I need to I need to sincerely try Tori Amos and I keep seeing her <laughs> records come up on on my calendar system. I'll be like. Or Amos. <laughs> um, I'll go into my kind of like take on it. So I um I have said on the show multiple times in the past that I'm not a really big like lyrics guy. And what I mean by that is that it's I appreciate good lyrics. Like I definitely like if it's good lyrics, it's good lyrics. But when I'm listening to music, I don't pay attention to what the lyrics are saying most of the time. It's very much a I'm more focused on what the instruments are doing and what like the voice sounds like and the tone and the phrase and like the way things are phrased. It takes me, I have to either like go read the lyrics immediately or listen to the record like 10 to 12 times before I like, Oh, that's what they're saying in this song. You're like, I'm just, I don't know if it's just like, 
I don't know how to describe that. I guess I'm just dis- distracted by the music over the lyrics or what the lyrics are saying, or I can't focus on what the lyrics are mean when I'm listening. So it, whenever I, we get records like this, I'm like, I feel like a dumb guy sometimes. And I'm just like, uh, yeah, uh, well, the guitars are doing this thing. And it's like, it's really hard to talk about this type of record uh, because like almost the entire record it is acoustic guitars with other things of course but so like i'm always focused on like what it what what is what is this what is it what does it sound like and i was telling i have a we have a friend who I, uh i mentioned earlier and i and he was like oh this is my favorite uh mountain goats record it's like oh cool that's that's fun he's like what ah uh, were you moved by this year and i was like no why uh why should i have been and he's like <laughs> he's like you're heartless and i said that's that's not true because i <laughs> cried at a spider-man movie last night so i <laughs> i just need it laid out clearly for me <laughs> and so then i had to go like read the lyrics of that song to be like oh yeah this song rules like <laughs> yeah no go ahead sorry well i was just gonna say i think look for what yeah this year is the song that when if you see the mountain goats live that's the song that literally everyone that's there is singing along to the entire time um but yeah i i kind of have the i i'm a lyrics guy because i i came to i whatever when i was in bands i was the Mm. lyrics guy and the vocalist and i and i i did poetry for such a long time and i'm in stand-up and i I I want to I write things occasionally, so I'm very much mm-hmm. about the words in a lot of ways. So I, but there, I guess it's not always the lyrics that are the reason I get into a thing. Because there are again, yeah, this band, I had to see them live to really be like, no, I fucking yeah. get it. I get that fits in that idea that like Dylan and I, if you were at if we were at a Mountain Goat show, we go, oh, it makes sense now. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I would feel more hesitant. <laughs> it's funny, Dylan, that you didn't like the more um, upbeat or bombastic songs because those are the ones that I liked the most. Like, I really liked, I liked the first track, "You're Your Memory," this year, dance music, and "Up the Wolves." Like, those to me were the standouts. I, I liked, um, I liked "You're Your Memory" for the most part. I, I think there are maybe little things in it that I maybe didn't make me love the song but that does have i want to say there's a line in that song that i really liked well that's the saint joseph's baby aspirin and bartles and james saint joseph's <laughs> baby aspirin yeah it's yeah uh, i think the chorus just has a really has a really good phrasing yeah. on those lines that i i did enjoy i did really like dance music yeah. uh overall as a song production wise um i liked the line in um oh the third verse where he says, "So that's what the volume knob's for." <laughs> that is, that is, that is hands down, bar none, my favorite <laughs> lyric. Yeah, that was so, like, so oh, this that's is what the volume good. knob's for. <laughs> so this is what the volume knob's for. Like that is, that's why we listen to music. That is why, like that, that idea of like, the, I'm in pain. The world around me is pain. I am powerless to stop it. Turn it the fuck up. Like yeah. that's what I'm in this room with this record player. Turn this music up, drown everything else out. Like that's fucking <laughs> punk rock, man. That's like, I, it's my favorite lyric. Period. Do you know though too? It, it, have you, I've listened to records before where I'm like, I don't know, I'm just not feeling this. And then when I just turned it up, it was like, oh, it's real good now. And so it's just like, 
some records it's like you can't listen to them quietly you have to have them yeah. loud for it to work because otherwise i guess you're losing some of the dynamics maybe or you're like especially like a louder record it's not giving you the punch if the volume's too low but i've definitely done that where i was like mm-hmm. i don't know why i'm not connecting this record i was really looking forward to it and then i turn it up and i'm like now i connect <laughs> to it yeah, I think look, I think the ideal circumstances for listening to this record are driving uh either away from or towards a place <laughs> that has memories <laughs> that haunt you on the highway with the windows down and the volume all the way up um <laughs> screaming along to like it's it's th- it's that kind of a record to me even though it's not that yeah. kind of a record on the face of it, you know. Um but I think I, I mean I maybe it just comes down to subject matter and theme in a lot of ways for like what certain people are gonna relate to. But but dance music, uh, yeah, that's I feel like that's the one. <laughs> I um I was reading about it and I was like, yeah, okay, I get I get like the story behind this record and like what the subject matter of everything is and like you know his background and all that kind of stuff. But then I actually read this. Um, this article it was like written oh i wish i'd actually wrote wrote the um the uh name of the site that the uh inter- the article was on but it was basically like a retrospective the article was written like in 2016 and it was something along the lines like oh there it is uh it's from the rumpus.net it was the called albums of our lives the mountain goat sunset tree yes and so like i read the article or the the review of it and the guy, is a little, he was a little older, like his teenage daughter really got into them. And like, that's when he, he like gave them another listen. And uh, he was like, oh, I'm him. Like, my life is this same life. Like, he apparently had the same, he tells the story of his, like, his dad being like abusive and like this bad stepdad that he had. And like, it's just, it was a. The article was very moving emotionally. Ray Shea wrote the article, uh, March 2016. Um, and that was, I was like, okay, yeah, I get why this record, I get why the Mountain Goats in general are such an important band for so many people because they are connecting on a thing that, like, content wise, that, like, I'm not necessarily connecting to, but other people were really connecting to. Yeah. And there were other bands in this vein and, and albums in this vein that I would listen to when I was uh, drinking a lot uh, before I quit that um, are kind of like songs again about like lost trauma addiction, how we deal with that shit, etc. that I can't really listen to now because the, so much of my experience with them are, are tied in with like being a fucking mess who is actively destroying himself but this record that I listened to at that point too, it's still I'm like able to do it because I man I don't know I don't know I can't I can't say that I come from the mm-hmm. same background as that that author or as John Darnielle like I I'm very lucky my father knew what was in him in that way and actively mm-hmm. worked against it like knew like his dad was mm. a monster was an abusive person and an alcoholic. And, um, you know, the complicated feelings that my father had towards his father about like, you know, I love you, but you also destroyed my ability to relate to other people in (laughs) many ways. And, you know, I was very lucky in that regard that like, I didn't ever, you know, families Mm -hmm. are all fucked up, right? Like they, they all are because they're families, like everybody's family should be in therapy period. But, and I, and I have my 
back and forth with my family now still to this day like that never goes away but i'm very lucky and privileged that i didn't have what john darniel grew up with or that but because i know like i don't know it's weird. i don't want to say i know you know right because i don't but like i i also i did grow up with a contentious relationship with my father where for a very long time we did not understand each other and there was there were shades of abuse you know there were little bits and things that we didn't mm-hmm. call abuse but they were still like an emotional abuse and 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 what have you like even if you were spanked like that i think counts <laughs> to degree like that puts a fucked up idea in your head about like what is expected of you and what you can be afraid of uh, that kind of rules your life for a while when your mm-hmm. brain is still forming yeah. but you learn um, you learn very early that violence can be used to get behavior mm-hmm. that you want yeah out of other people that's yeah. not a good thing to teach children. No, it's 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 absolutely not a good thing to teach children. So like even if that is a part of your upbringing, you know at least some part of what this is and what this is about. Um I I uh, there's three songs that he put out that were on the demo for this album that were not included on the album that are the songs I think I relate to more than these songs because they're more about abuse from peers. And they're more about like going to school and hating everybody, which is the experience that I had. I was bullied by my peers, not my family. So I, I did have a little bit of respite at least where I could go home after school and scream into my pillow without someone at home mm-hmm. trying to destroy me. Um, so I at least had that. But So those are the songs that I really relate to that yeah. didn't make the album. <laughs> um, but because I know what my dad grew up with and because I had a lot of friends in high school and middle school and and college who you know did go through this and who were abused at home and I know what that looked like like there's an empathy I have when I listen to these that it's like it's heartbreaking and I and again like there's sometimes I feel a little voyeuristic because it's like no I was lucky like I didn't have this but the feelings I can are re- feelings I can relate to. You you have the context for it, like you 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 can grasp yeah. the concepts of everything about it and and get it because you're like yeah. only like a step away or two steps away from that yourself. So yeah, and I this the songs that I feel the hardest are um, I mean, "Hast Thou Considered the Tetrapod" is probably my favorite song on the record um, because it makes me feel of a different. It makes me think of a different family member I had that thankfully was not someone who lived in my home that was uh, kind of a nightmare to be around in a lot of ways and who I was afraid of. And um, that's there's a lot of the lyrics that evoke that for me in that song. And Love, Love, Love. I tell you, just as someone who's had suicidal ideation for a very long part of his life, <laughs> like since, uh, let's say, nine, ten years old, uh, there's a line in Love, Love, Love that like is the first time I can recall hearing a like suicide referenced in a song where it's like, oh, there's no judgment in this lyric. Like there's no, yeah. one way or the other. It's just like, this is what this person did. And then the line of with snakes in the grass, uh, stars in the sky above our heads or rain in the sky above our heads, snakes in the grass beneath. It's like, it's th- this idea that, no, there's still a world. Like he did this, but there's still a world with these things going on. Um, and uh, I don't know why there's there's something about that lyric that kind of like is a is a salve to me, is a balm to me uh, when I when I have bad thoughts. 
I feel like that's too much. I feel, <laughs> I feel like I've now just done the weaker than thing where I've alienated somebody. Well, don't worry, because it's at the tail end of a two-hour podcast, so... <laughs> yes, sorry. So we'll cut it. No, no. I, I genuinely... Uh, um, I know your concern early on was, like, the alienating aspect. And then when Brendan on that episode, Brendan from Overo, he was talking about the weaker thans in particular, he, you know, he was like, ah, you know, I don't want to, like, make alienating and make it so, like, deeply personal. It's like, I don't know. I think... I think you can go any route with this type of this type of show because I honestly I feel like I connect almost better to episodes where someone is just like here's my connection to this artist and why I feel this way about this artist. So, yeah, you can yeah. be like, well, I chose the popular option, but it's like, well, what did the pop, you know, everybody can be like, what was the story of the recording like? You know, like anybody can do that. Only you can tell your actual yeah. emotional story <laughs> attached to the record, you know? Yeah. That's I'm I'm I don't know. Every way to take it is a possibility, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I think of I think of records that I love that are just like, well, I listened to them while I was driving through yeah. a certain place, and they're like really important, and it's like such a mundane thing. Like I was just sitting in a yeah. car driving, or even like yeah. one of my favorite records was just a record that I would put on, um, "Join" by Dan Sartain. Like I would just put that record on and just go drive and smoke like chain smoke and drive and it was like <laughs> i don't know that i've ever been like clinically depressed but like if if i was ever that was it <laughs> it was just being like just drove i drove north for about an hour and then i just turned around and came back and listened to the same yeah. record five times in a row you know whatever you know like it's just like yeah your chosen activity is driving yeah nowhere that's yeah, <laughs> i've done that yeah that's, oh yeah come on that's <laughs> yeah, a depression that's coping mechanism for sure yeah. i mean it, the 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 severity of it can probably be judged by what you're bringing like i don't know i used to do that there's the days that i would go driving with cigarettes and a song mm-hmm. you know or an album and just i'm going for a drive i don't know where i'm just gonna and it's like okay that was depression but you know then there was i don't know five months later where oh i was Going through the Taco Bell drive-thru, getting a Baja Blast, pouring a shooter of tequila into it, stopping at the liquor store, getting a half pint of old granddad <laughs> and two tall boys of PBR and putting those in the car yeah. and then yeah. and then having a night of driving, uh, which is not, you know, it's like, which is, that was definitely <laughs> worse. Um, so by comparison, the other thing is, yeah, it's still not great, <laughs> but, you yeah. know, and that's why I can listen to Sunset Tree because that's what I would listen to when I was just like, oh, a <laughs> cigarette. And like, I can't hear yeah. good news for people who yeah. had news. <laughs> like, it's just like, no, that was my that was my uh, bad yeah. night record. Yeah, there's definitely records where I was like, oh, I don't, I don't yeah. want to listen to that. It makes me think of like, <laughs> I loved it at the time, but it was just like it was it was helping when it needed to be, but I don't need that help anymore. You know. There's also the things where it's like it's not even about anything you do. Like I was listening to a Verrucker's record once when I hit a patch of black ice going 80 miles an hour and spun out and almost got, you know, killed in a car accident. And I'll never <laughs> listen to the Verrucker's again. <laughs> it's like, and the song was like, where is your God now or something? And it's like, I can't. Yeah, I've got a few. I have a record I was listening to whenever uh, I got into a car accident. And I was like, what if it happens again? <laughs> yeah yeah i'm not, not playing that record again i'm that's stationary when i listen fate. to that record 
Yeah. I got to be sitting on the f- on a ch- in a chair on the first floor of a building with the windows closed. I got a final destination up this fucking apartment to listen to the Barookers. Um, I also like Broom People. Yeah, the, uh, the, the second <laughs> track. song I really love. There's yeah. something about that track that stands out to me. What was it? Was it the um, that weird warbly bass sound that's on <laughs> yes i love that sound it's like that <laughs> it was a, like this strange and sound then, and then the end i am a babbling brook <laughs> i just i don't know and then you read what the song's about and you're like oh it's about fucking what <laughs> what is it? this is a song about how he was getting laid in high school that's what that song's about there's that's a, amazing there's something in that song too that i was like what is that is that a synth is that a is that an accordion like there's something in the back that's just these chords that kind of like hang it could just be just like a key setting maybe on a on a keyboard because i don't see any weird instruments on the record it seems there's like a there's like a noise bit too right like a like almost like foley of some sort like a there's a lot going in that like a crash yeah yeah there's something else in there that had like another oh there's like a really weird guitar tone in up the wolves too that it's like I just realized that the Foley bit I was thinking of is oh. not in that song. It's in a song <laughs> on a different record. That's the other thing. You listen to enough Mountain Goats, some of it starts to kind of <laughs> bleed together. Um, yeah, it sorry, has like an, also a weird guitar tone in there, too. It's like doing something, whatever effect he's trying to go for on that song, it's very different. Yeah, well, there's that like dun, 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 a bit to the yeah. the rhythm of it, too. That percussive sort of like almost march kind of thing and uh it's got another great lyric in it i'm gonna bribe the officials i'm gonna kill that's my favorite line in the song in the the record like that was the one i was like hell Uh, yeah here we are (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna yeah let's kill all the judges i love it it's gonna take you people years to recover from all the that's the mountain goats i like the fucking the like chip on your shoulder (laughs) i I know i'm saying the wrong thing right now (laughs) yeah well, and I guess he talks a lot about like his songs about revenge mm-hmm. and wanting revenge and the juvenile urge for revenge. And I think most of the songs happen to be about like the discovery yeah. that that's a juvenile wish and that's not the way you should be. But um, but he he has a sympathy yeah. with the lost. You know, he in his songwriting he has an empathy for people that feel like they have no more options and so they do desperate things and. I, I, that's where my heart is too. So I always and when it's I political, it's uh, something else entirely. So <laughs> it's called revolutionary. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I, that's the thing. I think a lot of John Darnielle's songwriting is like this. It's very. It's like punk rock ideas, but mm-hmm. like shrunk down into the little personal narratives, into the little the little pockets of everyday life where we find these things and, and the stuff that's going on behind closed doors and underneath the surface, uh, of, of things, you know, I, I, I don't know. I just think it's neat. Well, I think, (laughs) I think that's a perfect closing statement. They're just neat. (laughs) We're coming up on uh, a little bit of a crunch here. So let's, uh, well, thank you for choosing this record. Cause I don't know that like, I'm sure somebody would have considered selecting a Mountain Goats record, but I don't know that we've ever had the opportunity where someone would have selected at this point. So I think they are a big enough band of interest to enough listeners that it's like we're checking a big one off the off the list, you know, like uh, as far as artists. Um, so 
I yeah, I, th- I think that's ultimately why I chose it was to is also like it's not my favorite Mountain Goats record. I can name four or five Mountain Goats records I like even more than this, but like this is also special to me, and I also don't know that you're gonna get a lot of people yeah. that are gonna pick a Mountain Goats record. So I'm like, ah, I'll do it. 2005 Sunset Tree, pretty defining record for them. You know, this year is arguably their probably most beloved song by their yeah. fans. So yeah, here we go. That's, and it, and it's, that's, that was it. I'm glad to have dug on them a little bit more and actually understand a little bit more than I did before. So, thank you for selecting this album. Um, let's let's uh, tell everyone where where to follow you as far as like get what your where your podcasts are from, all that kind of good stuff. Like, do your promotion here. Okay, well, uh, you can follow me at Andy underscore Cell S E L L as in sell you on the mountain goats. Um, on Twitter. I'm also on Instagram. I think that might just be Andy Cell. I don't think there's an underscore there. It's maybe there is. I don't I don't know. I always forget. But I am on Jesus. Oh. <laughs> At Ghoul History on Twitter is the account for Ghoul School. Uh look good number four boys on Twitter for look good for the mm-hmm. boys. You can also follow Look Good for the Boys at Look Good for the Boys on Instagram. And you can find us where podcasts are. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't go looking where podcasts aren't. Last thing, last What's thing, next? we always ask. Um, we stopped doing it for a while, and I wanted to bring it back because uh, the world is uh, horrible, and I feel like we should do this more often. Um, what is a charity or a nonprofit that you'd like to bring yeah. some attention to? Well, my partner actually works for uh, People Serving People, which is a shelter in Minneapolis that is dedicated to uh, helping families experiencing homelessness. And they run like education programs and um, they do a thing every December for the kids partnership with the Minnesota Vikings of all of all organizations. And they in September, when school starts up, they do a back to school fresh uh, or something like that back back to school event where they take the kids and uh, get them haircuts and new clothes and school supplies and backpacks to kind of cut down on the stigma that um, that some of them may receive going to school. Um, it's yeah, right now, yeah, we gotta fucking fix something. Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, look, we gotta fix several things, uh, um, but. But I think the un the unhoused get overlooked a lot, and people experiencing homelessness are are more people are experiencing that every day now. And so I'm really proud of her for working for them, and uh, I think that organization is doing good things. Like obviously, there's going to be problematic elements to approaching things like this at all times. So <laughs> I don't know. Look, we're going to cut that off now. I don't know where I'm going with good. it. I'll, I'll put that in the show notes. So yeah, people well. serving people in Minneapolis. Again, thank you so much for doing the show. We had a blast. This is one of the longer ones we've done in a while. So this is a fun one. 